Good morning, Corfet Church. Beautiful day today, right? Everybody points to the weather when I say that, but I point to being vertical. It's a good thing, right? If you're alive, you should rejoice. So, another Sunday in Advent, and um, today I want to talk a little bit about joy, the third week of Advent that we just heard Michelle and Troy um, share with us. So the third Sunday in Advent shifts from a tone of expectation of Christ's coming to one of rejoicing at the arrival of God's kingdom with the coming of Jesus. More than any other week during the Advent season, the third week of Advent represents a shift in attitude. We move from hope, repentance, and fear of the coming judge to rejoicing at the coming of salvation and the kingdom of God as Jesus makes all things new. So the goal today for me is going to be to really expound on some of the things. There's so many reasons why we have joy and why the birth and the coming of Christ brings us joy, but I'm just going to talk about three of them, and those three being redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good and gracious king, a great father, and we are grateful that you are mindful of us, that you loved us first, God, that you sent your son to die for us and to redeem our lives from destruction, reconciling us back to you as your children and your family, and we are grateful that you will restore your kingdom. Father, be with me as I speak. I pray that I would decrease immensely and that you will be seen, that your spirit will be heard. And I pray that your people would be encouraged and challenged. I pray that those that don't know you, that you have brought here today, I pray that they would be convicted of sin and that you would grant them repentance that they might serve you for the rest of their life on this side of eternity and enjoy you on the other side, we pray this in the name of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, you should have, you should have your booklet. Hopefully, you guys are bringing that every week. Um, if you don't have one, I know that there are still some available. Um, but the text from today is going to be from Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And you can turn there. I'm going to... Read. I'll give you guys a moment to find that. And if you do need a book, a pamphlet, or whatnot, you can raise your hand so the ushers know that you need one, and they will come and make sure you receive one. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Scripture says, When Jesus had finished instructing the twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples, and he said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Leopards are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Have you guys noticed that? It's, I, I'm pretty sure that's what Troy read, but he was not reading from Matthew 11. He was reading from Isaiah. So 
what Jesus was doing was encouraging the, John the Baptist from the prophecies that he knew John knew of, right? So just to kind of set the scene a little bit, Jesus is extending his authority to his apostles. And he's saying, look, you're going to go out. You're going to go out to the lost sheep of Israel. You're going to preach the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. And I want you to have this authority. I want you to cast out unclean spirits. And I want you to proclaim this with boldness. And he says, you're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. This is not going to be easy. They're going to cast you out of their synagogues. He says, I want you to be wise. And as he's telling them this, this is what's happening before the disciples of John comes to speak to him. And we see, and they set the setting for John. So John, being a student of the law, being a, um, an Israelite, being someone who is zealous for God and the things of God, he's out doing God's work. I mean, he's been, ever since he was in the womb, he was doing God's work, right? Rejoicing that, that, uh, that Mary had come and she was holding the Savior. So John's been doing his work, preparing the way of the Lord and continuing to, um, to, to preach the good news of Christ and that the kingdom of God is at hand. And in doing that, he is bold enough to tell Herod, hey, you can't have, you shouldn't have your brother's wife, Herodias. That's just wrong, Right? And Herod didn't like that, so he imprisoned him with plans to execute him. But he was fearful of the people, so he didn't execute him. So while John's in prison, he's thinking, man, like, did I miss it? Like, are you really the Messiah? Which is very interesting to me because I know sometimes we all doubt. And when you think of John the Baptist doubting, it's just like, is that even possible? Right? But he is a man. Right? And he did doubt. He was, he was questioning, like, man, did I miss this? Like, let me know. Encourage me. Tell me it's okay. And Jesus did so by encouraging him through the scriptures, through the prophets. So he says, go back and let them know what you're, you're, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the lame are leaping. Like, these things are happening. This is what's been prophesied for hundreds of years by the prophets of old. And it's happening. It's taking place now. Be encouraged. But Jesus loved John. He didn't just call him out. I mean, even after the disciples left and he told them to go tell John that, he's like, he's telling the crowds, there's never been anyone born of a woman that's greater than John the Baptist. So that kind of sets the setting on what was taking place there. But the focal point is that whenever we think of the coming of Christ and the joy that it brings, Israel was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Israel was waiting to be restored. It was prophesied, it was talked about, and they were eagerly awaiting. The big idea today is that we can have joy because everything is going as he has planned. Everything's going as God has planned. And we hear of the, you know, different natural disasters and you know, school shootings. Um, we, we hear of the diseases and famines that are, that are new and that are, that are outbreaks that are, that are happening, uh, communist leaders that are ruling with a strong arm, like all these different things that we see, right? It's, it's not surprising God. God has a plan and God is in control. And just as the prophets of old prophesied about Jesus coming and it took place and it's happening, the rest of what is written will be fulfilled. So that's the big idea today. And um, 
Moving on from there, one of the things we're going to talk about is, and this is going to be the first point, is we have joy because he is redeeming. Jesus is redeeming, church. And I'm going to quote a little quote here from a redeemed pastor. I want you guys to, to digest this a little bit. It's kind of poetic. Believe it or not, Christianity is not about good people getting better. If anything, it is good news for bad people coping with their failure to be good. So I'll read again. Believe it or not, Christianity is not about good people getting better. If anything, it is good news for bad people coping with their failure to be good. And whenever you think of good, what I want you guys, I want you to, to see that through the lens of Scripture, right? Because there is, I'm a good person according to moral standards. And there's a lot of people like that that are not going to enter into the kingdom of God. Great people. You, you, would, you, would, you would enjoy having them as company because they're respectful. They're not going to, to get all crazy around your children, and, and right? They're going to be mindful of that. They've got good manners. They do what's right according to secular standards. But and then there's good like I'm holy as God is holy, and I'm sinless. That's a different level of good, right? So I want you guys to always keep that in mind even as we're talking today. So Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35, we're going to hone in on verse 21. And verse 20, 21 says, But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And what's taking place here, and, and I, I, lo I love reflecting upon this. I enjoy, I enjoy digesting it. So you have these two individuals that are, that are on the way to Amos, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they're, this is post-resurrection. Uh, I'm sorry, this is not post-resurrection. This is the third day after Jesus' death. And they're on a journey, and they're walking, and they're talking, and Cleopas is the one that, that's, that spoke up there, but they're talking about all the events that took place. They're talking about, man, the prophecies were fulfilled. Like, this was the Messiah, right? Like, like how, how could this happen? Like, all of our rulers, all of our, all of our, our priests and high priests, they... They just gave him up to be, to be crucified. Like, what happened? Everything was going as planned. I thought we were going to be restored. I thought, like, this was, this was the one that the prophets foretold of, which is very interesting to me because how do they understand so much prophecy but yet miss the other part of prophecy that said that he was going to be crucified and resurrected and so forth? Um, so they're walking along. They're talking about this. And then Jesus just kind of jumps in and starts walking with them. And Jesus is walking with them. Say, hey, what are you guys talking about? So they start explaining all of this to Jesus. And that's when we get to verse 21. And he says, man, I'd hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. And they're surprised. Like, where, where have you been? Like, like this, is, this is what's been transpiring. And what's beautiful about that is Jesus, he, he called them foolish. But then he interpreted the law and the prophets for him. Can you guys imagine, like, Jesus interpreting like, hey, all of this text is about me. Let me show you how and let me show you why. And just, just chopping up the scriptures for them. So that's, that's pretty fantastic. So the two men, they're walking, they're doing that. And in Galatians 4, 4 through 5, the scripture says, when the fullness of time, so that's according to God's plan. Remember, God has a plan, right? Jesus was born in the law to redeem those under the law. No longer slaves, but sons and daughters and heirs. This is a message that we can't 
keep under a bushel, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Like this is a message that God is redeeming that we as God's people have to be proclaiming to our neighbors, to our friends. Like they need to feel the joy. Like do we get joy that Jesus came, that Jesus redeemed? Like when you recognize that you're not that good person according to God's holy standards, not secular standards, like there's a gripping of your heart for the joy that, man, I have been redeemed from destruction and this is not a message that we can stay silent about, church. We have to make sure we're communicating this in love and in truth to our friends, our family, our neighbors, our children, our parents, our cousins. Anyone who would have ears to hear, we got to get the message out. And the scriptures command us to go to all nations to do so. But the Israelites were under this law, so it was all in God's plan to take them out from under the law and bring in the Gentiles as part of the over-encompassing plan that God had. In Titus 2, 11 through 5, focusing on verse 14, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So I was... This one right here, I had to do a little gut check on myself. I was actually standing right here, kind of going through this, and it looked that way, and I seen committed to. And it just, it kind of hit me a little bit, and, and I really pray that God would continue to hit me because sometimes I get complacent. And um, that's not beneficial to nobody in my complacency. And so whenever we read what Titus is saying, he says, he gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify himself, a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Do people know that you are a possession of God? Do people know that you belong to him? Like, you are not your own. Like, you don't own yourself. If you think you own yourself, then you're, you're deceived if you're a child of God, Right? The Bible says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you've been bought with a price. And it's a good thing, right? This is a good thing. Like, the one who owns us, I want him to own us, right? I want him to own me. I don't want to own myself over him because he knows what's best, and he has this big old plan, right, that's all working out according to his goodwill. So that's where the gut check came in for me because it's like, man, like, where is my time devoted to? Where is my affections? Where is my heart? Like, like, yeah, I love God. I love Christ. And, you know, I'm mindful of him all day. Like, all of that is a yes. But can I do more? Can I be more? Can I serve more? Can I, can I give more? Can I surrender more? Can I commit more? And that was the gut check for me because he gave everything so that he can redeem me, a lawless individual. A lawless individual. In thought, word, and deed, just absolutely sinning against God, willfully. But yet, he redeemed me for his own purpose and his own plan. His work today is through his church, a big part of it, right? We know the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin, judgment, and righteousness. Sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. But we as the people of God have a responsibility 
We've been called out of darkness to be ministers of reconciliation. And we don't know when our last day is on this earth. There's absolute joy in understanding that God is redeeming. But isn't it amazing to understand and to digest that we get to be a part of that redeeming work for others? Right? I mean, reflect back on how you heard the gospel. Reflect back on who shared with you the scriptures and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. Reflect back on that. Who answered your questions when you were a babe in Christ? Who took you through the scriptures and explained it to you? We get to be a part of that church. Let's not sleep on that because we're a vapor in the wind and a flower that is quickly fading. We're here today and gone tomorrow, right? And we see it. We've all been around long enough to see death and it stings. And we can't be caught by it, church. We need to be prepared and we need to be doing God's work, not our own work. We can also have joy, point number two, because... He is reconciling. He's redeemed, right? He's taking back what is his. He's, he's bringing it back into his fold. And he's reconciling. He's restoring relationships. See, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, in verse 16, I want to focus in on that. It says that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, thereby killing the hostility. And that's talking about Israel, Israelites and Gentiles, Right? But, I mean, let's just kind of focus on humanity. God reconciles people. Like, all of you have your own stories and your own backgrounds and come from different places, have been raised in different ways and taught different things in your homes and in your upbringing. But yet we sit here today as one body united in Christ, reconciled as one body. That's fascinating. That's the joy that we get, that we get to be brought out of darkness and into the body of Christ as sons and daughters and joint heirs with him. And brothers and sisters with many great people like that surround you today to do his work, to be committed to not our own will and our own plan, but the work of God. He also reconciles us to himself, right? A lost people. A wondering people. What God did in sending Jesus to die on the cross, the sinner's death that we deserve to die, that people deserve to die because Jesus was spotless and sinless and perfect. But yet he was the one that was crucified, the sinner's death, and the wrath of God that was poured out upon him should have been poured out upon us. But in doing that, He's reconciling people to himself. He hasn't forgot about his plan. That plan that I said exists. Think about that. Hundreds of years went by where the prophets were silent. God was not speaking to his people. Hundreds of years. And then all of a sudden, the star, the shepherds, the wise men, something's happening. Something's going down. The virgin is pregnant. That's a big deal, church. God has a plan, and he has not forgot about his plan. He is in control, and he's reconciling a people to himself. Colossians 1, 15 through 23, verses 21 and 22 says, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Think about that now. Digest that. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind. This is written to the church. 
doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Guys, I want you to understand that this is not open for debate, right? Some people think too highly of themselves and they ought to, and I'm not saying any of you do, but some people do. It's not open for debate that you were once hostile in your mind towards God, alienated from him, consumed with evil deeds. No one's exempt from that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need a savior. We all need to be reconciled. We all need to be brought in from a wayward wandering sheep to the fold of God by his grace through faith. I I think it's interesting sometimes whenever, when you get those morally good people that somehow, and and, and it's all excuses and it's all a lack of faith when you kind of get down to the bare bones of it all because you can't please God without faith. But I picture like little men telling God, is it really your word? Did you really create? Is it, was he really born of a virgin? Is there really a heaven? Is there really a hell? Probably not. And they lean on their own understanding. And they, they filter through their world and, and, and they filter it through their belief system that they've gotten from somewhere, from their parents, from their peers, from YouTube, right? Other religions. Without faith, we cannot please God. It is impossible. But God is reconciling, and that's why it's important, the work that we do. Because his word does not come back void. And as we share the gospel, it is the message of God unto salvation. It had gripped the heart the way it once did yours. It had draw people to it. And God will grant repentance. And God will change one who was wayward, one who had a stony heart, one who was a sin seeker and an enjoyer, an enjoyer of things that were offensive to God, God will change them. God will heal them. God will restore them. God will bring them into his family so they might serve him for the rest of their life. We, church, should be the ones that are showing faith in what we do and how we communicate and what we participate in how fervent we are, how zealous we are, how committed we are. Where is our faith, church? Where is our faith? We've been reconciled by Christ that we might be presented holy and blameless before him. We have joy because he's reconciling. He's reconciling. Christ is able. Christ is bigger. Christ is greater. Death, where is your sting? Christ is victorious. Jesus saves, church. And that brings joy to my heart. Guys, we have not been ransomed. We have not been redeemed by futile things like like perishable things like silver and gold. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been purchased with. 
That was the price of our life to be brought from death to life. Third, we have joy because he is restoring. A quote from a restored pastor. I leave them without names uh, intentionally. But the cross of Jesus is always and forever there to repeat over and over to our forgetful and unbelieving hearts that God meets our guilt with his grace, our shame with his salvation, and our regret with his redemption. I'll read that again. The cross of Jesus is always and forever there to repeat over and over to our forgetful and unbelieving hearts that God meets our guilt with his grace. Maybe some of you guys are feeling guilt today. Maybe throughout the week you, or throughout the month you, have participated and clung to something that you knew was offensive to God. Maybe you're dealing with an unrepentant heart, bitterness, or envy, or pride, selfishness. Maybe you're condemning yourself. There's grace for you, and His grace is sufficient in your weakness. Our shame with his salvation. God doesn't want you to rest in shame if you're a child of his. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from unrighteousness if you would confess them. Lay it at the cross. And our regret with redemption, understanding that we belong to him and that he chose to love us first is a great love story and it brings joy it brings joy to my heart. First Peter 5.10, God will restore us in the end. So we have joy because God is restoring. Remember the plan? Guys, it's coming like a thief in the night. The second coming of Christ. He will return as he said he would. Every prophecy that has been prophesied from before has come to pass. And so will the, the remaining prophecies inside of the text. His written word is holy, it is reliable, it is trustworthy, it is profitable for us to be taught from, for us to be instructed by, for us to be corrected with, and for us to be trained in righteousness. And if it says that he's coming back, you better believe he's coming back. And he's going to restore everything. Sin, shame, pain, regret, guilt, diseases cancers it's all going away church exclamation point why would we not be shouting it from the rooftops bishop said it last week you find out about a good restaurant yo y'all got to go to that restaurant now like they got the best here's where it's located they open at 11 you need to make sure you're there on time because the seats are going to fill up matter of fact i think they got some coupons for you on groupon hit it up because you need to bring everybody Right? You get all like zealous about it, right? Your eyes get big. You're excited. You want to tell somebody. You want to share the wealth. Church, where is our faith? Have we been silenced? Have we been silenced by our culture that is hostile towards the gospel? Shame on us. There's grace for us. I don't say this to condemn you. I say this to encourage you. What are, you, what are you committed to? What consumes your time? What consumes your energy? What consumes your treasures? 
What consumes you? Do you love God? Do you know that he saves? Do you know that he's redeeming? Do you know that he's reconciling? Do you know that he's restoring? And if you do, go tell somebody like you would about that restaurant because you know Jesus is better than any restaurant. Amen? God's gonna make us perfect. We're gonna receive a glorified body. Anything that is lost from serving Christ will be restored in his kingdom. I, always, I think of Job whenever I hear that. He lost it all for the plans of God, for the purposes of God. And don't be that little person, right? Don't be that little man. Well, God, why did you kill his whole family? And why did you? Don't be that person. Like, there's just some things that we just leave in his department, right? You don't have access. Your clearance card doesn't get you there, right? So just leave it alone. It is impossible to please God without faith. You either believe it or you don't. If you want to be the little person that questions and says that you know more than God, then I'm going to pray for you. Because I fear for your soul. Let me clarify that. It's okay. I think it's natural for you to sometimes have questions and for you to ask God them. Don't get stuck there. But I think about Job, about restoring everything. We're serving Christ. We may lose a lot, but there's so much more to gain in his kingdom. We'll be glorified and we'll attain the inheritance. Church is an inheritance that is awaits us. It says it in his word. Incorruptible, undefiled. We talk about it whenever we do communion. He's prepared a place for his people. There's much to be joyful about as we celebrate and reflect upon the coming of Christ. And that's what we're building up to, right? Christmas Day. It's not Jesus is the reason for the season and leave it alone and go shopping and enjoy everything else. He really is the reason for the season. Check yourself. Tell somebody. Share the joy that you have. You can't fabricate it. You either have it or you don't. And if you don't, pursue him like hidden treasure. Concluding thoughts. Back to the big idea. We can have joy because everything is going as he has planned. Sometimes we get carried away at times whenever we stop focusing on the reality. Remember, it's faith. That our God is sovereign and his plans are not getting messed up. They're not. Everything's okay. He's in control. Yeah, but this is supposed to go like, says who? Everything's okay. He's in control. Yeah, but I don't understand why they, it's okay. He's in control. He's in control. You just do what you are responsible for doing as a blood-bought child of God, called out of darkness by his grace through faith to do his work so that you might be used to bring glory to him in all that you do and all that you say. That's what we can control, church, individually. And sometimes we want our plans to be his plans. And sometimes even though your intentions are very well, they're not. So guard yourself from that. Trust him. Abide in his word. 
Seek him like treasure and be faithful, church, as he has been faithful to us in sending his son to die for us and to resurrect and give us victory over sin and death. Last, the question I'm going to ask you as we close is, in light of the fact that all is going as planned by faith, all is going as planned, and he is in control, ask yourself, can anything steal your joy? Thank you, church.